Today's episode is the concluding episode featuring the Salsa Swindler. If you have not listened to part one yet, we encourage you to do so before listening to this episode. The Salsa Swindler was a career criminal that started a long-distance relationship with a lady who accumulated a nice savings. However, lies and deceit are the key to his salsa recipe when he sets his eyes on her money to fund his alleged business. We talked to the investigator that worked the case and the actual victim. She courageously shares her viewpoint to help others avoid being burned by fraudsters like the Salsa Swindler. So, Rob, most of the conversation was done over the phone. Did his family know what what he was doing? No. Well, I mean, I don't I don't think they did. I mean, I think he kind of kept it compartmentalized, obviously, because he was married and his wife had put up with a, a lot of this for over the years, particularly when he got caught uh, in trouble for selling a guy the non-existent vehicle that he was on probation for. And uh, so, um, you know, one of the things that Marie did towards the last, is she kept calling the sheriff's office, the Doniana County Sheriff's Office, to go up there and do welfare checks on the guy because he wouldn't call her back. And, uh, and I think that started his wife thinking, like, what in, what's going on here? You know, like this woman is calling out of Southern California to have the sheriff's office do a welfare check on you. Was was that like after the ball when he didn't show up for the ball? I think so, yeah. Is that kind of when, when Marie started asking more questions? Correct. And then eventually got so aggravated and angry that she got on Amtrak and uh, came out here from L.A. What was he using the money on? We know that she was up under the impression that some of her money was going to get to purchase trucks to transport the Pico de Gallo. Did he actually purchase the two trucks? No, no, he never purchased any trucks. I mean, he basically just took a lot of that money out in cash. Uh, I checked with uh, my old agency with uh, customs and found out the guy had gone south. I don't know whether he took the money down to uh, Mexico and stashed it. I mean, he had a lot of, you know, the lane checks showed that he went down there. And, uh, you know, his wife was in the car with him and stuff, um, you know, because at the, at the ports of entry, they have cameras and they'll, you know, they'll assist you in your investigation and help you uh, give you pictures of that stuff. But uh, it looked like a lot of it. He just went out and spent on cash and groceries and alcohol. And we didn't see him going to the casinos and spending. And I, I, I don't know exactly what he, he spent it on, but nothing in the in the chili realm, nothing related to chili. Wow. Cultivation or production. What was what was his motivation for the for the scheme? Like, what was his end game? Well, he, he he said that yeah. She asked him that. He said financial. I needed the money. Was he shocked to learn that he was actually a subject of an investigation? Not at all. No, this was not his first rodeo, and uh, you know he he was smart enough not to uh, give me a statement. He immediately uh, asserted his Fifth Amendment privileges. But, you know, at that point, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion because we had the bank records showing what he did. And But he was not shocked at all. 
I mean, I see no reaction. No, no. I mean, not, you know, it's like matter of fact, but again, this guy in Arizona had been a career criminal for spent probably 15 out of 20 years in prison. So it wasn't a big deal to him at all. He was not shocked. Did your office experience any sort of hurdles during the case? Not really. I mean, it was before the pandemic. So, you know, I was uh, here in Las Cruces. We have the uh, district attorney's office uh, runs uh, grand jury. I was able to get my subpoenas and get the records I needed with a fair amount of ease. And uh, Mr. Adcock um, analyzed the records and put it together and uh, our financial analyst and, and um, we were just good to go. I mean, it, and then uh, we had another case going and uh, we were going to try and get it indicted. And for whatever reason, the suspect in that had some issues or delays. And so uh, our our Acting director was the uh, prosecuting attorney. He came down here, got Mr. Tristi indicted, and um, uh, he wouldn't pay the money back. So we went to trial, and uh, Ben was able to get him convicted. Ben Schroeper is our acting director. Did he testify in court? No. No, he was there. He did not testify. So what was the outcome of the trial? He was convicted, and uh, I think he got, because of his previous criminal history, he got about four, four and a half years based on uh, his previous convictions and the number of them and the similarity in Arizona and the fact that he was on probation, uh, you know, when he did this with Miss Marie. Did he show any kind of remorse? No, not at all. Not at all. He was very um, just, you know, like I say, I don't, I don't think it faced him at all. I mean, he went to prison, but, you know, it's not, not like he hadn't been there before. Right, right. His second home, as it were. Did he maintain his innocence? Oh, no, no. Nope. So he, he owned up to it? No, he didn't own up to it. He just never, you know, said any, disputed anything, you know, he never acted like, uh, oh, I didn't do it. Uh, you got the wrong guy. There was none of that. I mean, right. which was kind of unusual for me. Most of these guys will say, oh, no, 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 I didn't do that. Or you got the wrong guy. You're mistaken. No, not this guy. He just, eh. matter of fact, it's like, eh, oh, I guess this one didn't work so well. Wow. And Rob, you said he was sentenced to about four years? Four, four and a half, something like that. And a lot of that was because of his prior criminal history out of Arizona that we found with the assistance of uh, Veterans Administration Office of Inspector General's uh, assistance. Did he say anything to Marie during sentencing or any of any other victims? No, no, he didn't. He just Were y'all, was your office able to recover any of the funds that he took from Marie? No, no. We tried, but we couldn't find any. I tried to get a search warrant for his house, but uh, the DA's office said it was stale, so I couldn't get it, so. Gotcha. Was there any restitution ordered? There was, uh, but I, I, I doubt if he's uh, done it, and uh, Marie is continued to uh, try and work with an attorney down in Southern California to uh, maybe get a, um, 
uh, what would it be like a order or some kind of a uh, to get some of your Social Security. But I mean, he only makes about eight hundred dollars a month minimum, you know, because, again, he only had that identity for like maybe 20 years. And I don't know that he really worked that much to pay into the system. So it seems like, you know, it sounds like Marie, she definitely has courage, a backbone to actually go down there and try and hunt him down herself during the sentencing part. Uh, do you remember whether or not she addressed him? No, she didn't because uh, she, you know, we got her, brought her up here from Southern California. And, and after a couple of days, she was ready to go home. And so she, she wasn't, she didn't come back for the sentencing. Okay. How did this impact the victims? Well, it was bad. I mean, it took a lot, a good chunk of her retirement savings, but, uh, you know, um, her and her family are fairly uh, affluent with a lot of property. Her father had uh, uh, bought a lot of property and rented, you know, apartments, complexes and that type of stuff. So I, I think she's okay. Uh, and then her, uh, her deceased husband, her um uh, that passed away. She's a widow. Uh, that guy was uh, with an examiner with Federal Reserve, so I think he left her reasonably well fixed. So she, it was bad, but you know, uh, could be worse. So I mean, well, she's one of the lucky victims that she wasn't impacted so much financially. But what about emotionally? Well, I think it did bother her because again, she. Uh, in, envisioned that they would have a perhaps a romantic relationship. She likes she likes uh, uh, marine officers, you know, uh, or or just marines. Like she, she's uh, been down in Southern California by Count Pendleton, so she's met over the years several active and former marines that she's gotten along well with, and they they've been decent gentlemen and never anybody like this guy before, you know. I think now is the perfect time to hear directly from Marie herself. Rob had an opportunity to speak with Marie about her experiences with Eduardo. She shares her side of the story and offers personal tips to help empower the listeners from becoming victims of financial fraud. So to start off with, Marie, tell us about how you uh, first came to be introduced or know Eduardo. I was working at a seller marketing company and um, he was very friendly on the phone. And he, um, uh, we were trying to get, uh, oh, I know it was on Medicare, a neuropathy. And he claimed to have had it and gave me a full description and all the information on the application. He wanted to look into it. And then from there, he wanted to talk more. Uh, it things developed. So not knowing his background at all. I thought he was okay. I didn't know what I was walking into. How long did it take you to get comfortable with him after he first contacted you? It took a couple years. A couple years. Okay. How long did you know him before you considered, uh, or before he approached you to invest in his uh, venture? Both by one, something like that. Okay. Yeah. And what did he promise you when he uh, when you agreed to invest or give him your money? Uh, he promised me ownership in this um, company, 
the salt and to go to Gaio Company, which eventually was a, a only unit. It was all over with anything. Um, I didn't realize what was going on until later on. And um, but he talked to me like a partnership in this company. It was a better you know, New Mexico, Arizona, California, and even overseas, international wise. Okay. Why, why, Marie, did you consider this a viable opportunity or venture? What, what made you think that it was uh, uh, a good uh, venture to invest your money in? Well, I thought he had a better business sense. He claims to have been a major in the and he claims to have owned all these properties and thought of the And I know as a business wife, um, he was interested just to find out Everything was false. Okay. Uh, did you feel any pressure from him to invest your money in his business? Uh, not at the beginning, but towards the middle. Yes, he became more pressured, not knowing that he was paying uh, the woman before me who he started, and he had to pay her so much. Okay. That's why he did that to me. Okay. And uh, how long into this uh, investment venture did you start to think that something might be amiss or wrong? What and what what were the signs or indications that something might be amiss or, or wrong with uh, his story? Because he didn't show up in California like he promised he would. I didn't know he was on probation. I didn't know he was married. <laughs> I didn't know he had a prior uh, criminal background. And he just didn't have the follow through I was looking for. And I began to question him and he got very angry. So that's when I felt I needed to get I looking into legal advice. Okay. All right, did 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 any of the uh alleged uh business venture uh or promises that he talked about ever come uh to fruition or through Come through, uh, come through. No, none of them. None of them. In fact, I told him I need a business plan. He said, don't worry, he can do that. International wise, I said, you need to come out here. We need to get a, uh, we need to look into the Department of Commerce, get a licensing for international wise. Whatever I mentioned, he never showed up. Always had an excuse. And then more excuses. So I figured something's not right. So when you say Department of Commerce, are you talking about an export license to uh, export the people to Gallo and Chile products yes. in the United States? Yes. And I had told him I want I want everything to be done legally. Oh yeah, they'll do it. But he never showed up in California. Okay. Uh, was there anything else that he uh, promised you that didn't come through? Any any other uh, other than the business that, that the, I think. I recall that he promised you he was going to give you a car or some type. Oh yeah, some Cadillac, I think it was. I kind of wondered about that, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to give you a car. Oh yeah, I'll get it." But he never came to California with a car like he promised. Okay. Followed through. Um, I think one of the things that uh, you, if I recall, that you mentioned 
one of the things you did as you investing in trucks was he supposed to give you copies of the titles of those vehicles that that, that you assisted in purchasing? Yes, yes, yes. We were going to have each truck that we needed to deliver within, you know, even Texas and New Mexico, California, Arizona. He never showed up with the truck. Did he ever tell you? came out there to find out what was going on. We went by his house like 8 o'clock at night. We couldn't find the truck. So that's why I, I, I just started questioning things. Something wasn't right. And, uh, when you, when you came out here, uh, did, uh, as I remember, you actually went to his house and confronted him. Is that correct? Um, we went by like 8 o'clock at night, the first night we got out there. And of course, we couldn't find the charts so the next day we went by and we still couldn't find them. I, I handed him a letter telling him how disgusted and upset I was with him. And that was like it. He called me at 540 that night, and he said he never intended to fraud me. And I said, well, then why did you for, um, for money? He wanted money. He needed a financial situation. And did he show any signs of remorse or express any signs of remorse in that conversation? Um, not really. I don't think he did. Just normal child. But he didn't seem uh, for anything. Okay. And and uh, as a result of, of, of this uh, investment or into this venture, how did how did that uh, influence or impact your life? Well, I lost out on sixty some thousand dollars. Thirty one thousand of it was mine. Um, with a financial plan that I had, and I lost all of it. And um, I tried to reach him, and every time I tried to reach him, because I did go after him like a collection manager, and he always told me, you'll get your money, you'll get all your money back. And that's when I, I had to start calling the police, or the Spanish kind of sheriff, to go out there because he would not answer his phone, to sit behind that phone. You know, every time he called me back and tell me, you know, I'll get my money, not my money, when the uh, sheriff showed up at his house. Okay. Did, uh, when was the last time you spoke with him? Is that during that phone conversation when he called you at your hotel? I tried to reach him to try to get this money. When is it going to come through? And then um, I was told I can't talk to him anymore. And... He can't call me. Uh, I guess he had looked into an attorney. Uh, he did tell me at one time, he, I think he knew ahead of time he was going to jail, but he told me, I can't take you from jail. He said, well, you better find a way to pay me. And I think that was it. Is there anything else that you can think about that would be important uh, that you would suggest to somebody listening to this so they don't fall prey to uh, an individual like Eduardo? Um, I would suggest if anybody does get involved, don't wait as long as I do to see that things aren't following through. Um, like people that will follow through, because I did, and I followed through with what he asked, and he didn't for me. So, um, I would be very careful with uh, what they say. If they don't always 
they say they're going to do, I would contact the sheriff and the police department. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, is some of the things that he told you more uh, important in convincing you to invest in his uh, business than others? Like, I think you mentioned he said he was a Marine officer, uh, a major in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Yeah, he said he was a Marine Corps officer and became the rank of major and then a prisoner of war. And when he said that, I came across a gentleman who was retired from the Marine Corps it's in Arkansas, and I called up the number, he answered, and he went down the line three times and he said, there's no, no in order to stay as a POW. Then I really became suspicious. Okay. Uh, and I, and I did call him back after the trial, and I let him know that in order to stay, he was sent to jail for a penitentiary. Okay. Is there, is there anything else that's important that, uh, you know, you would like to perhaps convey to other individuals that might be listening to this to, to try and help uh, dissuade them from becoming involved in this kind of a situation. Okay, I feel strongly now that if people don't follow through the first time, the second time, maybe give them a third time, they don't do what they say they're going to do, I would become very suspicious and again, follow sheriff and report them. Okay. Well, we'd like to thank you for uh, uh, sharing your story with us today. It takes an incredible amount of courage uh, to do that. Um, and again, do you have any other advice for people who may, may find themselves in a situation like you? I think you alluded to that. Like, if they don't fall through, but uh, contact law enforcement, anything else? Well, maybe, I, maybe not um, talk to them on the phone. Maybe you want to meet them in person. And, um, you know, maybe just, I could have had a better idea of him, not knowing his background. I think the next time if you meet somebody like that and they want to go get a background check on them and see if they're, they're as honest as they say they might be or what they're asking, that's probably what I should have done. Do you think it would have been helpful, Marie, uh, before you invested any money for you to actually travel out here and see the farms and the chili uh, plant and that type of thing prior to investing? I mean, trust but verify, basically. I was thinking about it, but he kept saying he'll come out here. He started getting real, he didn't want me coming here, and that should have been a first clue. And he said he'll come to California, but I had no idea. He was married or he was on probation. I had no idea whatsoever. He never brought it up. So um, maybe I should have done that to find out what was really going on with him. Okay. Well, can you think of anything else important to convey to, you know, any potential uh, investors that might be listening to this series to kind of help them avoid these pitfalls? Stepping into something like that. Well, I just think, I just think maybe if the first or second time, maybe you ought to get a background check on the person. Okay. He's trying to the problem. Okay. Well, thank you, Marie, and uh, we'll be in touch. We appreciate you taking the time to visit with us this morning, and, and hope you have uh, a, a very good best of the rest of the week, and uh, take care of yourself. So Rob, I know you've been doing this for quite some time. 
Can you share with us some red flags and warning signs for victims when it comes to people like Eduardo's operation and behavior? Well, uh, probably one of the main things is, um, you know, if it sounds not just with him, but some of these other characters, you know, if, if the banks are paying, uh, I don't know, two or one and a half or two percent, and somebody's promising you uh, seven and a half to nine and a half percent on a promissory note, you might want to take a hard look at that and 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 do some background checks on that guy. With uh, with uh, like Eduardo, I guess the main thing would be, you know, try not to let your heart uh, overrule your head, and before you. Uh, invest money, come up and trust but verify, like Ronald Reagan always said. Come and trust and verify and make sure. Uh, I always often tell people, uh, you know, we don't have any uh, criminal cases against employees of Merrill Lynch, Edward Jones, uh, Wells Fargo advisors. We just don't have criminal cases involving those people. So, you know, you might have to uh, end up paying them a uh, a little bit more money, uh, a little bit of money in a commission, but you're you're not going to be in such bad shape. And we don't have any criminal cases against them in our agency that I know of. Maybe you guys do in Albuquerque, but I haven't seen too many actual criminal cases against uh, places uh, like, you know, major brokers and stuff. So that would seem to be a more safe place to invest your money and you get what you pay for. One of the biggest uh, misconceptions out there is what actually constitutes as a security. Mm -hmm. This is Pico de Gallo. People, just regular people would never think, oh, Pico de Gallo or tomatoes, there's no way that's a security. But if people would have actually picked up the phone and called your agency to get a background check to see if this was indeed a legitimate investment, all of this could have been stopped from the beginning. Well. 90% of our criminal cases would have been stopped in, in, in the tracks in the beginning if people uh, would take the time, and not just with us, but I'm sure with other state regulators, they'll, people will, will uh, the agencies will query these guys and tell you if they're licensed or whatever. So the biggest takeaway is anytime somebody offers to take your money, do some magic with it, and give you more money in return, to just be on the safe side, call up your local securities regulator and get a background check on the individual and the products that they're selling. Correct. Absolutely. And if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Right. You know, uh, that don't, you know, and we have um, a, a little film clip that we had put out years ago, you know, like if somebody in your church comes up and says, Oh, I got this great deal. Think hard about that, you know, because uh, um, what's that guy's expertise to be selling you that or telling you that this is a good deal, you know? And a lot of times with uh, the people that get in on the initial stages of some of these pyramid schemes, they actually get pretty good returns for a little while until it all crashes, you know? But, well, how is this different than the typical romance scams that has come across your desk? Well... Uh, the main thing is, you know, he used what we're known for, uh, chili. Uh, Hatch is, our farmland around here produces some of the best uh, green and red chili in the country, and he used that to his best advantage. He's 
Silver Tongue Devil. And he had been doing that for many, many years over in Arizona and getting caught at it. So I guess he wasn't that great at it, but it was unfortunate that this poor lady actually encountered him, but she did. And, you know, that's the way it is. And so we just try to hold him accountable and keep him from doing it with anybody else. Rob, is there anything else that we may have left out or that you feel is important for the listeners to know? If you're going to invest money in some uh, distant location, you know, like I can't remember what Warren Buffett or somebody said, hey, only invest in what you know. And she tried to do that because she has a logistics background, but she didn't know Chile. And so before you start sending anybody a wire transfer, you know, come up here. Go there, check it out, go, you know, make sure. And and like you said, call your state agency to make sure that that security is their license to be selling it. And it's not some uh, off the wall guy came up with a great, great scheme that sounds just great, but there's no substance to it. You know, that is a perfect segue. How can someone check the background of a person making the investment offer? Go to NASA.org. Click contact us and then click contact NASA member to choose your jurisdiction's regulator. Being an informed investor means having a plan and understanding each of your investments. Whether you're new to investing or already investing, NASA and its members provide a variety of online investor education resources for investors of all ages. Go to NASA.org, that is N-A-S-A-A.org for more information on how to be a wise and safe investor. Well, thank you for joining us and for all the work that you do to protect your investors. This is it from today, and I'm Nick Bondaroo from Montgomery, Alabama. And from Albuquerque, New Mexico, I'm Beatrice Medina. If you have any questions about today's episode or would like more information about the topics discussed, you can email us at realliferegulators at gmail.com. And if you'd like to hear future episodes, please hit the subscribe button. NASA provides its information as a service to investors. It's neither a legal interpretation nor an indication of a policy position by NASA or any of its members. If you have questions concerning the meaning or application of a particular state or provincial law, rule, or regulation, please consult an attorney that specializes in securities law.